This is our podcast, all of ours. On Yes, a Stripper podcast, we celebrate the stories of sex workers around the world. We inform, we share vulnerably, we learn from each other. No matter who you are, there is an opportunity to learn, laugh, cry, and grow, as sex workers are some of the most incredible people on the planet, and their stories are what the world is obsessed with. Hi, everyone. AMD here, back with another episode of Yes, the Stripper podcast. Thank you so much for your patience while we took a much-needed break. This episode today is featuring Kelly Gold, who is a stripper who acknowledges her white privilege and now is a music artist and producer. Kelly Gold and I recorded this episode a couple of months ago, just to give you a little time context. Um, We talked a lot about retirement and what that's like and how it really varies from person to person and how nuanced it can be. I wanted to let you know that we're going to actually have a special discussion on Yes, a Stripper podcast about retirement and what it's like for strippers in all different uh, you know, levels of wanting to retire, thinking about retiring, or already have retired. So I want you to stay tuned for some posts about that episode coming up to see how you can be involved in that. One of the other things that we talked about was acknowledging our white privilege as white sex workers and how important that is in the ways of moving, uh, moving through our workplaces with respect and understanding for the varying levels of privilege that different people have. Um, our goal, well, specifically my personal goal is to reduce problematic behavior and for white folks to find ways to support those that are less privileged in um, thoughtful, communicative, and non-disrespectful ways. So it's um, a really important topic. So I hope that uh, white strippers out there, you're really perking your ears up. And um, I implore you and encourage you to read anti-racism training materials, documents, articles, listen to podcasts, pick up some books, et cetera. Um, Some of those examples are Rachel Cargill's work. You can Google Rachel Cargill and find anti-racism training through her. You can also pick up the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. Critical Race Theory is another really great book. Um, And there's tons of other folks out there that you can pay attention to, such as subscribing to the anti-racism daily newsletter, which is a really good source. A lot of amazing work from Nicole Cardoza comes from that particular forum. And in about 36 minutes into this episode, Kelly made a word mistake. She said, money doesn't make a lot of music. In fact, what she meant to say was that music doesn't make a lot of mm -mm. About 36 minutes in, Kelly kind of made a word fumble. She said, money doesn't make a lot of music, but what she meant to say was music doesn't make a lot of money. So if you get confused by that line, I just wanted to make sure that we mention that so you fully understand what she's saying in that moment. Um, My favorite thing about Kelly is that she's a very intentional person and I actually have a lot of respect and admiration for that intentionality. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. It's our first one since coming off break and um, stay tuned for all the new episodes coming out after this one. Uh, We really missed you all. So I hope that you also had a nice time while we were on break and maybe caught up on some of our past episodes. Enough about me. Let's go on over to Kelly Gold. Hope you enjoy. Everyone, we have a great guest today, and it has taken us a while to get it together to finally do this show. But um, what do they say? All good things come to those who wait. So that's where we are today. Before I introduce you to our lovely guest, I'd like to thank you and remind you that we are accepting donations. Some of you have donated And I'm sure there's a lot of you that haven't. And hey, that's okay. Uh, We're all different. But if you are ready to donate at any time, you can send your dollars into paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. And money goes towards paying our guests past and future guests um, and also paying our hosts and our producer. We work really hard on this show and because we don't have millions and millions of listeners yet, it's hard to get advertising. And plus we don't want to fill the airwaves with 
dumb commercials anyway. So make it rain on your favorite podcast hosts by going to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. Now let's go over to our guest today on the line. We have Kelly gold. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm excellent. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I'm so excited. It's baby's first podcast. Oh, I love that. I love it when we have first timers (laughs) here. Um, And Kelly, before we find out all the things about you, can you let us know what your pronouns are? Yes. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Love it. Thank you so much. So we have so much to talk about. We're finally here together. Um, (laughs) You and I both seem to have had some crazy times lately. Um, All is well on your end, right? Absolutely. I think everybody's been having some crazy times. Yeah. And I don't really know what's up with that. Is it like I guess like the world opened back up, like what, like six months ago. And that felt crazy, but I guess it didn't feel super real at the time. You know what I'm talking about? I agree. I think everybody is going through adjustment periods. (laughs) (laughs) It's taken us like two years Mm -hmm. to adjust. (laughs) Um, So speaking of adjusting, um, one of the things that I love talking to you about recently was, um, that you have retired from, from stripping. Am I, is that so right? That is correct. Yes. I have retired from stripping. Yeah. Can you like, can you tell us what that was like and, and how you're, and like, when did you retire? And like, I just want to hear the whole story basically. Like why, when, how, how, how does it feel? etc. Absolutely. So I, of course, stopped stripping uh, during the pandemic when mm. clubs were closed. When everything started to open back up, I started to do more like sugar dating, like non-full service escorting. Um, during the pandemic, I did some online content, but basically the the pandemic made me really reassess a lot. I think it had that impact on a lot of people. Um, and I consider myself a very, a very privileged sex worker. Um, not only being white, but also having chosen to be in the industry because I wanted to, um, I loved the idea of sex work from a young age and it, so healed me in the way of sexual expression and, uh, finding, finding myself in that way, finding empowerment. Um, but there, there were times where like during the pandemic, um, into now that I started to lose that, that passion, that lust. And I started to get more calls outside of the industry, which very much scared me. Um, I mean, (laughs) I guess it didn't scare me immediately because I've always been this like, go for your pleasure, positive person. (laughs) So I'm like, oh yeah, like things, things will be out there for me other than Mm -hmm. sex work. I'll figure it out. Also like, um, I can always go back to sex work. I don't have to quit completely. Um, so it didn't start to feel daunting until I I knew that I wanted to take a full step out of the industry to challenge myself. And that really came down to the fact that I started dancing in very formative years. So I started at 18, um, Mm. 18, 19 and kind of ended like 24, 25. Um, and I, I realized that a lot of my relationship with myself had to do with my persona and my character and my industry, which is beautiful and amazing. I absolutely love that. Um, but there, there was something missing for sure. I kind of felt like, (laughs) um, a child star, you know, (laughs) who's like, who am I? Am I Kelly or am I this other person that I grew up with? Um, 
So I decided to step out of the industry and really challenge myself and hold myself accountable to finding who I am outside of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a devastating process to be completely honest. Um, Being outside of community, um, realizing how the world works outside of sex work. Um, and yeah, yeah, just all that stuff. But I mean, I am so grateful for this experience and again, very, very privileged because I think I need to know these kinds of things to be able to advocate for my community with my privilege and understand Mm -hmm. like why somebody might fall into this industry without wanting to be here. Um, or finding love with it or not, like all of, all of the nuances of how people choose sex work or have sex work in their lives. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible. It, I was chuckling a little bit about like mm-hmm. working, like what it's like to be, how the world operates outside of the sex work industry and community. And I'm, mm-hmm. I was just sort of like yeah, it's weird out there. It's so weird, you know, like to be like, you know, my husband, for instance, is works in a totally different industry and I watch him work every day. And I'm just like, I'm just sort of boggled by the way, like, I guess the real world works, you know, I'm using air quotes. If you're listening, um, like, it's just so incredibly different. It's, and like, uh, people operate differently. They speak to each other differently. Like, I feel like we spend so much time, like, well, are you doing self-care? Are you getting rest? Are you okay? And in the rest of the world, it's like, you, you must show up on time and you must do this thing, you know? And it's just, I just find it to be just very interesting. The, um, contrast, is that something that you've sort of bumped up against a little bit? It's like, like what, what is different for you? Absolutely. It is very weird in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) So weird in the wild. Um, Yeah. I I think the biggest thing, maybe not the biggest thing, but one big thing that I'm navigating is kind of what you just said about um, civilians, if you will, if we use that term. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, just being like, just doing the grind, like work, working the way that they do. Whereas I've always been taught through our industry to nav- navigate it through empowerment, what feels good, mm-hmm. um, boundaries, um, advocating for yourself, mm-hmm. amplifying your life and your business, having it serve your pleasure too. just all of these things. And this narrative wasn't like, it didn't come to me just through sex work. It was through, you know, female empowerment narrative. Mm-hmm. I spent two years, um, studying workplace well-being through like a business degree, Which I didn't- <laughs> but, uh, even that, uh, kind of proved what can make a more productive business and society by focusing on the individual and self-care and to come out of it and see people are not doing that. I, I felt pretty scared and judgmental being like, no, no, like you have to go for your pleasure, but also realizing how hard that is to, Mm -hmm. to go for your pleasure, um, without privileges or, um, without sacrificing, I guess, in some way. Um, some people, wouldn't choose sex work or wouldn't choose a industry that would keep them in anonymity or that would, um, keep them oppressed in other ways. And it's so interesting to see how, or to feel how empowered and beautiful and, um, on it, I felt in sex work and how it's a daily struggle outside of it to, to feel that way. Um, and to witness how people navigate the real world. (laughs) 
Yeah. I can't even agree with you more. I literally like in the last recent days have been like, what is my worth? No one values me based on my looks and my skill set anymore. Like I'm not being told like, you're so sexy. You're so talented. You're this, you're that. And I'm, and then like, you know, my husband says something to me and I'm like, really? Like, really? You think I'm cute? Like and sexy. I'm confused now because I used to believe these things because you just heard it all the time. And now I'm like confused when it's said to me, I'm like, you see me like that? You know, it's been, it's been, um, is that something that you've experienced? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Absolutely. There, Mm -hmm. there is the like self-worth, self-image, body image aspect of it, but really what I feel like is impacting me is not being needed. (laughs) You know, like I, (laughs) I know people run their business differently and some people rely on who comes through the door. If they're, they're working at the club, some people have regulars, some people have social media clientele. Um, I had very regular clientele. That is what my business was based off of. It was based off of personal relationships. Um, That's where where I felt good. And I attracted clientele that felt good with that too. Mm. So the fact that I don't have, you know, even two people, <laughs> you know, or like, um, I'm used to having like maybe 50, a hundred, 20, like just people, yeah. um, <laughs> relying on me for, for health, mm-hmm. well-being, um, uh, physical touch, which is so important. Yeah. Um, but not even that community, mm-hmm. um, you know, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, yeah. So um I think that that's hard because I feel very driven by people. And maybe that's the feminine, you know, maybe that's like being a woman. Um, but maybe it's also just being people who need people and need to feel desired, wanted. Um needed like you're helping people i i i miss feel like knowing that i'm on top of my industry like i i know my brand i know myself i know my clientele i know how to keep community with fellow sex workers i know who to step away from and give love and light mm-hmm. <laughs> from a distance i know that after the years that i've been in the industry and then to kind of like leave and yeah. Silence. Yes. Yeah. I, it's so, I feel so relieved to hear you talk about this because, um, like I said, like, I feel like silly almost for my reactions to being told now that I'm hot or something. You You are hot. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not me. (laughs) You got the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) so I I feel relieved knowing that you know uh, that I'm not alone in that feeling of when you leave the stage you are not alone I think there are a lot of us yeah (laughs) out there who have retired who, who have stepped away in a way in a big way after the pandemic I think I had only seen maybe one or two uh, names in the industry talk about retirement, but it, it wasn't with, it, it wasn't a best friend, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't somebody um, with, with me in the here and now. And I, I have, I have connections still in the community, um, but it's just, it's different. Uh, I feel like it is so necessary to talk about. Um, I will tell you too, that I, I was one of those dancers who took those sales courses, um, who was interested in, in all of those, uh, social, the new social media mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that you were seeing from like, uh, strippers who coach other dancers, baby strippers, uh, teach, 
dancers how to invest, just all of those things. I ate that up because I was about that too. And they were like, plan for retirement, you know, plan, plan financially for a retirement. Maybe not as emotionally, um, I think is what's missing here, but even financially, which was a huge part of it. I did everything they said and I still ended up pretty like <laughs> devastated financially and emotionally. Um, I don't think that anything can uh, prepare you for, for detaching from that, that kind of lifeline in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean to sound depressing about it. I just mean to say that it is a challenge. I think it's necessary to talk about. And for me, because it, it was so important to me, it felt like the biggest breakup in the world. It felt like I was ghosted by, um, my first love really. Um, it felt more like losing a relationship, uh, than it did quitting a job. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. And, um, to touch on, you know, cause you mentioned privilege and I definitely want to talk about that because, um, you know, I'm to tie it in where a lot of people assume like, Oh, well, how are you going to get out? What's your exit strategy? Not realizing that there are some of us that aren't really looking for an exit strategy. Like that's not on the forefront of the mind. Whereas there are groups of people and certain sex workers that do need or want for themselves an exit strategy. And I think that those two contrasting ways of being are, are not really talked about as much, but also at the same time, there are some people who work in construction who want an exit strategy and, and some people who don't. And so I just, it's really interesting how our line of work in particular is like wrought with this, like, well, you're going to get out eventually. Right. Or you're putting yourself through school. Right. So you're going to get out. And it's like, not all of us want to get out, but some of us have to, and it's not talked about like the differences of why that is and how, um, less privileged folks, like how important it may be to them to need to get out and why it's just assumed we all want to get out. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but maybe because I haven't had a conversation of like this about this particular subject in regards to privilege, getting out or staying in and all of the things that go with that. It is so incredibly nuanced right? and so difficult to um, talk about it as a whole. And that's, that's why I preface my talk with, I am a very privileged case who can make music and come on here and talk to you today about navigating, leaving an industry that felt like a devastating breakup, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, which is sad and is a story. And Maybe some people feel the way that I do, but it does not mean that there are not so many other stories where people feel stuck or not valid for wanting to leave, feel like they can't for whatever reason, financially, the stigma. Um, yeah. Yeah. So important to talk about. Yeah. A huge believer in conscious storytelling. Yeah. And that replacing the world's history books for sure. And I do, I do appreciate acknowledging your privilege as a white dancer. Um, I also obviously uh have the same privilege as a white dancer. Um, and but I'm really curious to know about when you became aware of that privilege, because for me it came a while later, <laughs> but you're, I think you're much younger than me. And, um, you had access to more types of information than I did simply because of our generational gap. Um, and also because maybe you're just more in tune than I was at that age. But when did you find out or realize that 
you were operating in an atmosphere of, of, you know, you had more privilege than others. I think that dancing always felt like, um, something that I was getting away with (laughs) kind of because of the adrenaline that I felt attracted to the high that it provided me. So in that way, I always felt like I was hiding amongst the crowd privileged, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, in, in the way that I was navigating it. I don't think I was very aware until I brought my business online. I started doing Snapchat premium. I started doing Instagram, um, and doing panty sales through that and all of those things, because that's what brought me to sex work community online. Um, it brought me clientele, but the best thing that Instagram brought me were women around the country that did what I did. And through that, I, I participated in lots of different discussions Mm. with dancers and on my platform. And I, I, I wanted to know ways in which I was wrong. Mm -hmm. If I was, um, I wanted to understand no matter what we were talking about at the time there, there's always something, the Bella Thorne on OnlyFans Mm. was a huge discussion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, okay. Uh, Musicians who use um, sex work related imagery, if that's appropriation, how some people who are actors or musicians um, that are famous, they did sex work, but they don't claim it. Um, Is it okay to talk about how much you make at work? Should you be friends with people at work? Um, I think that social media definitely started those discussions for me. And I think naturally privilege came into that because maybe I would pose a question or I would ask a question. And if I didn't state it already, followers or friends would let me know Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, in order to talk about money, we need to talk about privilege. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and in order to talk about our industry, we need to talk about the fact that I worked primarily in gentlemen's clubs Mm -hmm. and I worked in the South. I have white skin and I had blonde hair at the time. Um, I had some college education, which means I had stability and some money growing up. Mm-hmm. So um, it came in naturally through being checked mm. on social media. And um, I tried to educate myself and take it with grace because I've really my desires to help people overall is, is what I've learned from myself. And I believe that I was helping my clientele and, um, I wanted to help dancers just as well. I want to help my community, Mm -hmm. um, with this privilege. So yeah, naturally is the answer. (laughs) That's really great. And I, um, you know, naturally I want more white dancers to notice, (laughs) be aware (laughs) of, acknowledge and do something with and about their privilege. Um, because I, I love what you said that we can't talk about money without talking about privilege because white dancers are given more shifts. They're given better shifts. They're treated differently. Um, and depending on what type of club you're in, um, they're the ones that are getting a lot of attention because of discrimination and, um, and it's infuriating that all of these things happen. And, um, one day I, I literally stopped myself in my tracks and imagined what it would be like to not have the privilege that I have and to have to argue my way and fight to have more shifts when, because 
it, it was never a concern of mine if I was going to get shifts or not. I knew I was going to get shifts. So I tried to imagine what it felt like to never know if I was going to get the shifts I wanted or the amount of shifts that I wanted on the days and nights that I wanted and what that feeling would be like. And it was um, unsettling and unsettling, not because it's unsettling because of the disparity, the the unfairness, the, the inequity of it. Um, it was, it was very, very unsettling. And I think it really does require more white dancers that are actively working in clubs to take action, to say something, to do what they can, um, and to have more conversations with other white dancers so that real change can be made for people who need it, you know? So I really appreciate you having this conversation and coming to this realization and us being able to talk about this authentically and frankly on the air. So thank you for that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Reminds me of um, when the BLM resurgence happened um, during the pandemic and when the clubs were still open, or at least mine was, um, and you were talking about having conversations. And I think that maybe white dancers are afraid of having those conversations or asking those questions. I remember it wasn't just me, but one, one of the things that a few people in my club did was ask the dancers of color or mixed dancers, like, what, what would you like us to do since you make this much money statistically to us? Should we be donating like a percentage of our earnings? Should we just be talking about this? Do you want us to advocate for you when, you know, a, a somebody gets fired or doesn't get the shift that they want or um, like what, what should we be doing? And I understand it's not, it's not every dancer of color's job to educate and to answer that question either. Um, So I I think that's, that what was, that's what was difficult about Mm -hmm. it too, is how, how do we honor everybody in this situation, still ask questions, still, educate ourselves without, um, further exploitation. Right. Or creating more emotional labor for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I think having the conversation because not talking about these things at all does nothing. It just continues to perpetuate and feed the issues by not talking about it at all. But yes, it is the white person's responsibility to read the books and articles and watch the videos about how to do those things, um, to, to try to make a difference, but, um, but do so with respect and care and, um, and not because, not to do it because like, I'm doing the right thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's because truly deeply you, you want to do what's best for everyone. Not, not to look good that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's lots of books and lots mm-hmm. of videos and lots of articles <laughs> that everyone <Yeah>. can read, <laughs> but I think that's really, um, it's, so that was something that actually happened. That story that you told. Yes. Yes, that is. Do you mind sharing what the outcome was? Actually, um, the, it was a gentleman's club and all, all of the women that answered me said that they didn't feel like they deserved to be asked that question because they were light skinned. Oh, okay. So that, that actually surprised me. Um, it did, (laughs) but it also further, further educated me. Mm -hmm. Um, and just to know that I think that different people in different communities would want to be respected and supported and honored differently. Mm -hmm. And I think a way to give that respect is, is to ask directly, um, if you can, and Mm -hmm. if it's comfortable for everybody. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Comfortable for the people you're asking. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't care about white people feeling uncomfortable anymore. (laughs) 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 Really don't. (laughs) Yeah. Get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. Challenge yourself. Like why I retired too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier that, um, you make music. Um, I do. Yes. I would love to talk about and how the things that you've learned, uh, through, you know, our, just our conversation here, how it applies to your music. And, you know, I just want to hear it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Okay. So I make uh, hyper pop sex work related music right now. I have two singles out. One is called Fetish Guys, as that was my primary clientele. And the next one is called Somebody Jump the Gun, which is basically when a guy comes in VIP. And love that. Yeah, love it. Love it when that happens. <laughs> love it. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I have always been a musician and I've always struggled with how to get my music out there. Um, and just like in life, I found my persona, my stripper identity, Kelly Gold, and that was easier to express my, my sexual life, myself, everything. Finding this persona and using her to create music felt similarly. I knew exactly the color scheme. I knew the sounds. I knew what I would write about. I knew how I would continue. And it just felt so exciting. Um, and it was also a little bit about the fact that um, you mentioned that there were some like media resources that you didn't have access to that I may have had. Um, It wasn't always the case for me, especially in the beginning. I didn't really have much. And I remember searching specifically for for stripper-related media, books, movies, documentaries, all of this. And at the time... I don't know if it was my searching skills, but I couldn't find anything. I found things that still connected to me and um, comforted me and like warmed me, like documentaries about full service or porn or books about that side of the industry. Um, specifically, there's a book called Coming Out Like a Porn Star by Jiz Lee that I really, really love. Um, it helped me come out to my family about what I did because nice. there are, there are many essays in there about different stories of coming out. If it went well, if it didn't, um, who they came out to, what they came out about anyway. So, um, yeah, I love that book and mm. I love that performer. Yeah. Not a lot of stripper related content. And also, like I said before, there are a lot of, um, people in the spotlight, um, and even women in pop (laughs) like me that don't claim the sex work they did, or maybe they claim it, but I don't see the activism (laughs) that they're doing for the community. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's something in the past for them. Um, and it just, it's never felt, felt good for me. I love those artists and I connect to those artists. I've danced to those artists' songs, but there was always something off as if, again, with retirement, there was, there always has to be an escape route, a plan to get out where it's always a temporary thing. So I developed this persona and this brand to write specifically about stripping and to have it involve all the elements of clientele and the club, make it fun, make it silly, make it slightly educational. And I hope to, in the future, do even more with it. Um, I have ideas for a song about the censorship of sex workers on social media Mm. or um, just strippers and in the club, just censorship in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I also 
have not done this yet, but I would love to organize black sex workers to write a song about colorism in the club. I don't want the words to come from me. I don't even want to be the vocalist. <laughs> I just want to mm-hmm. organize that. And um, money doesn't make a lot of music, <laughs> but um, donate the proceeds to Black Sex Worker Collective. Do mm-hmm. do something like that. Maybe do some more live performances so there's m- more money to be made. But um, basically having music by us, for us, and... Uh, yeah, that that is what Kelly Gold's music is all about. Can we play as a clip of one of your songs? Yes. Yeah. Right. So insert clip of song here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a plan of yours, the, you know, working with a a group of black sex workers? Is that something that you have like on your calendar you're going to start working on or have you reached out to anybody? Is there any movement there? I reached out when I was still living in another state uh, before the pandemic. I had started the conversation with a few people in my area that were interested. but I also didn't have the the other moving parts figured out. Um, engineer, mixer, master, <laughs> graphic mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. I was able to do that with the first two singles, but the people that I was working with um, had different endeavors and things, totally fine, pandemic, all, all of this stuff. So um where, where I was living isn't really like a huge music city anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why now I'm living in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's been um, pretty easy uh, to come by super talented people, eager people um, to work with. So right now I'm working on getting that those bottom lines worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even release another single before I start organizing. So no, it is not on the calendar, but it is still very much in my heart and head. You sound like a very intentional person. Like, did you move to Nashville because you're like, this is how this is going to make my music career life easier. I am a very intentional person <laughs> and I often move with my heart, but it involves a lot of logic (laughs) too. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, when I was leaving the industry, I took about six months of time driving across the country, shopping basically around for different cities to live in because I knew that I needed to feel good. I needed to see myself there. Mm -hmm. I needed to um, be able to network fast, um, be able to afford to live there. I, I needed it to have all the things that I need to feel good mm-hmm. to be able to create. And it's so, it's so funny because I started in St. Louis, came to Nashville, ended up staying a little bit longer than I thought because it was just everybody's, everybody's so talented and nice. And, um, there, there's an element of it that feels like home to me because I'm from the South Mm -hmm. and I didn't think I would want that. I thought that I would be fast paced city girl, you know, just make it work, but it has that too. Mm -hmm. So it just made me feel very comfortable, but I still made my way across the country and, um, spent some time in LA and I thought I would end up in Seattle, but I ended up driving back very fast. And, (laughs) um, yeah, so I, I am very, I knew that the next place that I was going to be was going to be a place where I was staying for the next couple of years. And I've never made that commitment to any other location because, I was not ready. I was not ready to, uh, quote unquote, like settle 
even though it's not like settling to me, that, that always scared me to stay in one place. I wasn't ready to build community, to build anything yet because I wanted to be sure of my decision. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I am so happy that I'm sure that I want to be here. I know that I'm supposed to be here. I know that I'm doing all of the things that I need to do more or less to do what I want. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. Are you ready to share your stripper tip? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So this may not work for everyone because I think that everybody has different strengths. So maybe my overall tip is to cater to your strengths because that will make you feel good, make you feel mm-hmm. better and amplify your business. But one thing that I swear by and I loved and really made me organize, make more money, all of that is keeping a database of your clientele keep their names, their contact information, their, their paydays, their birthdays, little details. <laughs> like I'm so serious. Yeah. That's so um, smart. And like when, when you last contacted them, how much they paid you for this, for that, like when, when are they paying? It just, it really amplifies everything, um, financially, yeah. but it also helps you, um, you know, make it, make it personal with them. If you remember their birthday, if you remember when they helped you out that one time, they know that you're grateful. They know Mm -hmm. that you are thinking about them. Um, which is true, which is true. Mm -hmm. If you're taking the time to do this database. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That is so smart. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Are you ready for your four for one? Yeah. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Okay. First question. A little nervous. (laughs) It's not that bad. Okay. (laughs) If you won the lottery, what would be the first thing you do? The first thing that I do. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) The first thing that came to mind is something that my dad always told me is tell no one. <laughs> tell tell no one. Um, <laughs> and then my next thought was just you know pay pay off debts, uh, take care of loved ones, and then take care of the world um, yeah. from that point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, if you could grow anything at all, what would you grow? Hmm. The first, I'm trying to just answer a little bit more spitfire and what comes to mind. Um, and for some reason, uh, I said self, self-worth. I know we were talking about that earlier, but I would mm-hmm. like to grow um, this part of myself that is like absolute, absolutely sure. I do feel sure most of the time. And when I circle in my head with insecurities and all of that stuff at the core and at the root, I know my answer but it mm. takes me a long time on the daily sometimes to get there. And just like, I want to be those girls on TikTok or Instagram that are like, yeah, you don't have to care about this. You don't have to care about that. You're a badass. I, I want to be that. I really do. But it takes me a minute. Yeah. So I want to grow that. You. <laughs> nice. So would you rather be stranded on a tropical island or live in a palace in Antarctica? Palace in Antarctica. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I love the cold. I am a winter baby. I'm a weirdo. I feel like I have reverse seasonal depression when it's hot. It's weird for me. I <laughs> I've never I had... heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I played with the name, so I'm Kelly Gold, but I played with the name Snow Days because nice. I also work day shift. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Last question. Okay. What animal would you save from extinction if you had the power to do so? A humpback whale. Oh, nice. They're just so beautiful and massive and they sing and I want to swim with one in the wild. So bad. 
that sounds fun for you. And, uh, I would not, that is not something I would ever want to do. They're very big. That is their world, not mine. (laughs) But I admire that for sure. That is a fearless (laughs) desire for sure. Well, okay. It would terrify me, but that's the point. I always go toward things that terrify me because they teach me about myself. But I think I was watching Animal Planet when I was little and they said, if you look into the eye of a humpback whale, you will see its soul. And I, that just stuck with me. Nice. Well, I hope that you get to see the soul of a humpback whale someday. Um, I hope I do too. Yes. And please let me know how that goes. I will. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so Kelly, before we tell everyone where to find you and how to find your music, I just wanted to remind everyone one more time that you can still donate to yes, a stripper podcast and help fund this show. Your donations can go to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. Kelly, can you please tell us all where we can find you and where we can find your music? Um, you have stuff that's public that we can listen to, right? Yes, I do. I recommend Spotify, but somebody jumped the gun and fetish guys. They are both available on all streaming platforms. I also have a baby TikTok account um, under Kelly Gold Music. And I have an Instagram account under Kelly Gold Music. Lovely. Very easy to find. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for like figuring out us both getting our schedules right and sitting down together. I knew that this would be a meaningful conversation based on our pre-conversation. Um, and, uh, I'm just really grateful to be able to have conversations like the ones that we had today about, um, you know, raising awareness around our privilege and around retirement. These are really important topics. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much. I am honored to be on this platform and in your presence. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you to everyone for listening and, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for absorbing this episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. We love your listening. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Period Podcast Network. Please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast, and please consider donating to help keep this podcast alive. Send your love to paypal.me forward slash Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And that's on period. Network.